love you. Well, being at Emmaus Road is a dream. Uh, I feel like I'm with family. I'm emotional. And I will never apologize about crying, so I'm not sorry. Um, I have so many friends here. I met Pete when I was a junior in high school, 17 years old in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so 15 years ago. And I've been long friends, have traveled the world with him, been in Spain a couple times, in England and Mexico and weird places, all over the states in conferences and living rooms and prayer rooms. Uh, I've seen the man and seen him love his bride and love his boys and love the church. And uh, thrilled to be here. Know so many friends. Peter Burton leading. I, I met Peter in a studio. I was playing drums on an album in Colorado Springs, and there was this uh, chap from the UK there. <laughs> and uh, started asking him where he's from, and I said, Guildford, Guildford, do you know Pete Gregg? Pete Gregg, I lead worship at Emmaus Road. No way. Uh, Adam, Heather, and, and Hannah, and so many friends, James and Julia, so it, it's a treat to be here today, and I always feel like I'm with family when I'm here. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read out of Mark chapter 10. We're going to read 14 verses, the story of the rich young ruler. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to Mark chapter 10. And we will read that and then pray and jump in and ask the Spirit to speak to us. So Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich young ruler, goes like this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. Do not murder and do not commit adultery and do not steal and do not give false testimony and do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He gives him five commandments that are horizontal. Five man-to-man, man-to-woman, love your neighbors, yourself kind of commandments. Teacher, the rich young ruler declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. I've done this. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let's not miss that. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And this man's face Fell. At this, this man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Just so all of us know in the room, we are all rich. All of us fit this description. We are all rich. You go around the world, people living on a dollar a month. We are all rich. Jesus is speaking about the the difficulty here, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed. Amazed is a bad word. They They were scared. They were shocked. They were bewildered at this. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to join or enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more bewildered or amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? This is impossible. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. 
And Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, yes. And in the age to come, they will receive eternal life. But many who are first right now will be last then. And the last will be first. Father, we come before you. And we believe that you're a talkative God. We believe that you're chatty. We believe that you have something to say. We believe that you have an opinion and that you by your spirit are ever coming at us with your words of life. We believe that your word is like a double-edged sword. It's sharper and it cuts and it divides and it separates between soul and spirit and joint from marrow. Your word discerns the thoughts and the intentions of what's going on inside of our hearts. Your word lays us bare. So we pray, Spirit of the living God, would you lay us bare today? Would you open us up? Would you reveal the truth and reveal error and bring us into your everlasting life? We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Do we really have to go to that party, babe? I mean, how long do we have to stay? Why'd you say yes to that? I don't want to spend my Saturday like that. Maybe you've had that conversation with a loved one or a friend. You know, that graduation party that you have to go to, but you don't really want to go to, or that reception. And I think that's kind of a window into the rich young ruler's understanding of Jesus' ministry. It was sort of a box you have to check, a party that you have to go to. You have to kind of pay homage and, and make pilgrimage. You have to kiss the ring, you know, you're not really planning on staying there, but it's sort of the road through which you have to pass to get to where you need to go. Jesus was sort of that box to check for this man, and he comes, and he falls down. He's a rich, young ruler. I mean, to be rich, we look at, we go, wow, that's amazing, but he's young. When, when we see someone who's young, that's rich, you know they're savvy, you know they're wise, you know they know how to play the game, they, they, they know how to, and so this man comes and he runs to Jesus and he falls on his knees, good teacher, what must I do? He's got to check the box, it seems, but he wants to get in and get out and carry on with life on his own terms. Yet Jesus says something strange to him, come, you got to follow me. I hear, your, I hear your desire. You want eternal life. Well, I want to tell you I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Come and follow me. Jesus says this over and over again. Levi the tax collector, he finds this guy who is just robbing people blind. He's a Jewish man collecting taxes for Rome and he has to pay up front $500,000, say, to Rome. So he just pays a flat fee and then he can go raise $1.2 in taxes if he wants. Levi, the tax collector, is doing this, robbing people blind, and he says, hey, leave your stand and come and follow me. Levi does that. Later we find that Levi becomes Matthew, who writes the Gospel of Matthew. To follow Jesus is to be changed. To follow Jesus is to be caught up into a different life. To follow Jesus is to be transformed along the road. And Jesus looks at this man who is a rich young ruler, a good man, a hardworking man, a faithful man, but a man who has a misunderstanding of Jesus' role and his ministry in the world. And he says, if you want to have eternal life, you can't just check the box having come and kissed the ring and carried on with your life 
as usual, come and follow me. Yoke your life with me. That's what I love about children. Watching during worship was this beautiful moment where I think it was Ava and Max and all these different ones crawling around here. And they, what do they, they just want to be in the action. They want to be where you are, children. My wife, when I was here in November last time, she sent me a picture. She was in brushing her teeth in our little bathroom. And our bathroom is just, you know, this big. It's, five, you know, like four by four. And, and she's in there brushing teeth. And she sends me a picture like this. And all three of our kids who are eight and f- five and three are gathered around her legs while she's brushing her teeth. And she said, this is my life. <laughs> there's something about kids they just want to be where you are and sometimes when I'm at home on my day off like I love playing and I love wrestling and throwing the football and all this we're having a great time but sometimes I just I need you to back up Jesus says I need you to come in here I need you to come close I need you to, 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 to wrap your arm around my leg I need you to follow me I need you to live your life chasing me down if you're looking for eternal life just stay close to me because I am the thing you are looking for the rich young ruler didn't seem to want to live that way the rich young ruler had this issue of control really loved his autonomy and don't we all he loved his independence You see, he thought he could master eternal life without having to be mastered by Jesus. He thought he could receive without having to yoke his life to Jesus. Jesus was for him a sort of means to an end. And the thing that I find about Jesus is that he refuses to fit into my life. Jesus refuses to be a means to an end for me, but he's always taking followers joyfully. He's always inviting people close. He's always saying, come and follow me. You know the mark of a true disciple in that day. You know, he came to him and said, good rabbi, good teacher, because that's what you do. You go follow a rabbi, and the sign of a good rabbi, you know what it was? Their robe was dusty because they had walked right behind their rabbi down the roads, the Palestinian roads. They followed and they listened, and they asked questions, and the rabbi would respond with a question, and they would sit at meals, and the rabbi would say, it's time to go, and he'd kick up some dust, and there would get dust all over their white robes, and you would know a good follower by, if, uh, by whether he was dusty or not. There's something about following Jesus that he requires of us. The question that this text asks of us today that we must wrestle with is, Are we willing to have the momentum of our lives interrupted by Jesus? This man has it all going. This man is doing so well. This man is a hard worker. This man is employing people, and it's great. This man is a leader, and that is a God-given gift. Jesus never says, don't have ambition. Jesus, in fact, encourages ambition. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you should. And here's how you do it. Learn to be a servant of all. But Jesus elicits and, and, and it, it provokes ambition from his followers. And this rich young ruler didn't seem to want to allow his momentum to be interrupted by Jesus. The question we have to ask ourselves today is, are we willing to have our momentum interrupted by Jesus? Another thing we find here in this story of the rich young ruler is the issue of purpose. The first one is the issue of control. Who's in control? The rich young ruler knew how to lead and how to be in control. He was used to people responding to him all of the time. And when Jesus says, hey, I need you to respond to me, 
He doesn't really know how to adjust his life. So it's the issue of control, but it's also the issue of purpose. What is money for? Jesus wants to take this man into a conversation of what all of that good leadership and all of that good business acumen and all of that savvy and all of that hard work, let me tell you what it's for. Lillian, our daughter, about a year and a half ago, you know, we, we bought the kids all piggy banks, and the, the boys are just, you know, they're not that smart at this point, but they got great personalities. You know, they're just, but Lillian, she's sharp, and we can talk. The boys are younger at the time, but Lillian, we can reason, and we can go back and forth. So we talked about saving money, and we talked about, you know, like the 80-20 rule. Try to live off of 80 and set aside 20. Give 10 to God and save 10. Put it in this piggy bank. So, you know, here's a dollar. I'm going to give you a dollar bill, and now I'm going to give you 10 dimes, and you give me that dollar back. So she, she divides up and starts to figure out fractions and, and all this. So she's saving money and saving money and saving money. We go start a bank account. She's such a big girl, you know. She, she, she saved up $100, and we start a bank account. And I get a call one day from a, a friend. We had one of her little friends came and spent the night, and I get a call from her mom. So Rebecca calls me and says, Daniel, um, uh, Delaney came home today with a Ziploc bag full of $25. And... and uh, she said Lillian gave it to her. So I went upstairs and, Lillian, what are you doing? Uh, Delaney said, Delaney's mom said she brought $25 home. She goes, yeah, you told me everything was a gift from God. All the money that comes, everything's a gift. So I just felt like the Lord told me to give her $25. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. You can't really rebuke that, you know. So about a week later, another friend comes over, and her mom calls after she comes home, and she says, um, uh, Taylor came home with $15 in a Ziploc bag, and she said Lillian gave it to her. So I go upstairs, Lillian, what, hey, um, what are you doing? <laughs> and well, you said everything was a gift from God, and I just was playing, and I had it, and I felt like Taylor should have it. And I kind of said, Lillian, you can't do it. And, and we do need to teach our kids to save, and, and she can't spend the rest of her life constantly. But it felt like the Lord said to me in that moment, what did you think would happen when you taught her that everything is a gift for me? What did you think? Don't rebuke that. Don't be surprised that by my spirit, I'm, I'm putting generosity in her heart. You see, children know something about what the purpose of money is for. Children, when, when you just teach them a little bit, they're quick to give and to share and to look for opportunities and we drive down the road and we'll see someone and we'll stop and we'll say hey Lillian why don't you go run him a five dollar bill and we're trying to teach why don't you let's go get a burrito for that person and come back and we're trying to instill this in our children and children know something about the purpose of money what money is for they're quick to release it from their hands Jesus says to the rich young ruler yes come and follow me but he also says, come and follow me and learn to take care of these people that are around you. You see, you're so used to people responding to you and people reporting to you, and that's fine. There is a chain of command, and that is an element of your life. But it's not just people coming to you. It's you spending your life, rich young ruler, looking around for the people that you can bless, that you can spend your life for. It's an issue of what money is for. Jesus created this strange community. You see in Acts chapter 2, as the Spirit is poured out, what happens? 
It says, and daily they gathered together and they broke bread and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. And there were no needy ones among them. For people sold land or houses and came and laid the money at the apostles' feet and they distributed it to each as they had need. You see, Jesus was creating this community that defied the logic of the dog-eat-dog world that we live in. A community that says, where is the need? Okay, here, I've got, I've got some strength and some power right now. I'll use that for you. You see, strength was meant for service, not for status. This is what Jesus is teaching the rich young ruler. Your strength is a gift. It's good. You should leverage it. You should work hard. You should be ambitious. But your strength is meant for service, not for status. Jesus says, come and follow me and get your robe dusty and learn how to live because I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And if you hang out with me, if you spend your life following me, you will learn to leverage your strength for the good of other people. When I was here in November, I told you some stories of what's going on in my church. I'll I'll never forget being a high schooler and Things just suddenly on a dime changed for my family. My parents uh, were hard workers and, and have been in pastoral ministry all of their lives, 38 years. But there was this really difficult financial moment that came up where we were struggling. And we were, you know, my parents were pastors in this well-known large church. And, and, and they were privately trying to figure out how to pay the bills for this moment. And a dear friend of ours, I grew up and. They actually bought a bed for me because I would spend the night at their house so much. (laughs) Dear friends, they heard what was going on and and they came to my parents and they said, don't worry about paying your mortgage for six months. We've called your mortgage company and it's already paid. Who does this? This is what... This is what Jesus is trying to get across to the rich young ruler, that strength was meant for service. If if God has blessed you, praise him, rejoice, and use that gift to bless other people. I'll never forget that moment in time where I thought, he should not have done that. He did not have to do that. Why did he do that? He did that because he's someone whose robe is dusty because he's been following Jesus, watching Jesus leverage his life. Strength was meant for service, not for status. Just a, a couple weeks ago, there's a, a man in our church who's 36, and he's a, a single father. He's got teenage kids, and he's trying to figure out how to pay his bills. And he had sent me an email a couple weeks before, Daniel, I'm, I'm in a tight spot. Could you be praying? Could you? So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, take care of Danny. This is my friend Danny. And that day, it was a Friday. We have services on Friday nights, and Danny came to church with $12.50 in his wallet. That's all he had to his name. This is a 36-year-old man with three teenage kids, $12.50. Hard worker, 60 hours a week, doing his best. Like, this is not some punk who's sloughing off. He's doing his best. Life is difficult for him. $12.50. That day earlier, a man in our congregation who's an usher, and this guy rides a Harley everywhere he goes, and his arms are tattoo sleeves all the way up. He's got a buzz haircut, lives in the gym. Dude is just yoked up. You know, he's the guy who walks around like this, and and he's real tough, but he's an usher. You know, like people want to give at our church. Like he comes with a bucket. He just looks at him. You going to put something in here? No, gentle guy. And he was at, he, he's a mechanic. And he was at work earlier in the day. And just out of nowhere, he gets a $300 bonus. He met a quota. And he, he, they gave him cash Friday at 4 o'clock. Our service is at 630 
And he said that he felt like the Lord said to him, that's mine. So you go to church and I'll show you. So he goes to church, $300 in his pocket. This big guy, Danny, is laying on the floor in the back of our room Friday night at 6.30, wailing. <gasps> and I can, I, I can hear him. I know, I know Danny. I know his voice. I know his cry. And he's laying on the floor, $12.50 in his wallet. And he's, Lord, please. And he had sent me earlier that week, you know, my utility notice is coming and they're t- threatening to turn off my utilities. And this man who's never met Danny in his life, the tattoo usher guy who rides the Harley and who's big and strong, he felt, he's walking around the back during worship and the Lord says, this is the man. So he goes over to him and he says, excuse me, sir, I just felt like the Lord said to give this to you. He walks away. And Danny runs up to me in the front during worship and he says, you'll never believe what happened. Remember that email I sent you about my utility bill being shut off? He said, I came here with $12.50 in my wallet. This afternoon I got a notice from the utility company that my bill, if I don't pay it by tomorrow, $312.50 If I don't pay it by tomorrow, they're shutting everything off. My kids will be in a cold house. He goes, the Lord provided. You see, strength was meant for service, not for status. That guy could have put the money in his pocket, and he earned it, and he deserved it, and God would not have been mad at him for keeping that, but something in him said, I've been following Jesus, and I've been paying attention to Jesus, and what I see when I watch Jesus is Jesus is constantly pouring himself out for the people around him. This is a man who has learned to walk the roads with Jesus. Another story I told you about. This was super fresh when I came here in November. Just two, three weeks earlier, I had met a young Kenyan widow in our congregation named Leonette. She had just moved uh, two months earlier. She had been waiting for her immigration paperwork from Kenya. Her husband was in the States working, sending money back. Just a little bit here, a little bit there. He was making money, sending it back. She finally gets her immigration paperwork, comes to the United States in August of last year, meets up with her husband. They've been separated for two years. Oh, honey, I'm so happy to be with you. Finally, the Lord took care of us and provided, and we're together. A month into that time, she gets pregnant with their first child. They're so excited. Pregnant with her first child. She's starting to grow. He's working, saving money. They have their little apartment. He comes home from work one day, and he's standing with her, talking with her, and out of nowhere, four months into her pregnancy, he falls to the floor dead of a heart attack. She's a nurse. She tries to resuscitate him. She can't save her husband. She's four months pregnant, standing in their little kitchen apartment. She'd just been in the States five months from Kenya, and now her provider, her her breadwinner, her, her lover, the father of the baby in her stomach is gone in a moment. Some some people in our church, Barack and Ruth, they're Kenyans. And they heard about a Kenyan in Colorado Springs who just lost her husband. They don't know her from anyone, but they know she's Kenyan, and they know she's a widow, they know she's pregnant. And they go to the hospital, and they sit with her, and they say, Leonette, we know you don't know us. We're God-fearing people. We have three small children. You will move into our basement. And she said, I will. She moves into the basement that Thursday. She comes to church on Sunday for the first time. Never been to New Life Church in her life, doesn't know any of us, comes to a church with 10,000 members, and she sits in the third row. Barack and Ruth run up to me after the service, and they say, we've got to introduce you to our friend Leonette, and Leonette's four months pregnant at the time, and I had heard the story, and I said, Leonette, I'm so sorry, and we wept and we cried, and there's nothing I can say to make this better. Please just know we grieve with you and we mourn with you and we love you and and we will, by God's grace, be the church around you. So I went to Friday night service the next week and I told my friends at Friday night, I said, 
There's 500 people in the room. Leonette, widow, pregnant, her husband's gone. We need to do something. People gave $10,000 that night. Just came down to the front. I didn't make a big push. I just said, we got to do something. We're the church. Afterwards, a young man came up to me. He's 25 years old, and he said, uh, I understand she doesn't have a car. And I said, yeah, she doesn't have a car. He said, well, she does now. He gave her a Toyota Land uh, uh, 4Runner, a beautiful SUV, a car that I would love to drive, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> he gave it to her just free and clear. And this is a 24-year-old, 25-year-old man who said, as long as there's a need and I can meet it, it's done. She's got a car. You see, strength was meant for service, not for status. And Jesus wants to invite the rich young ruler into this kind of life, and he wants to invite us into this kind of life. I just went to the hospital five weeks ago to meet little boy Victor, little Kenyan boy Victor, whose dad is gone and whose mother, Leonette, has become so deeply ingrained in the life of our church. She's the hero. Everyone loves her. Every Friday night, people are gathering up around Leonette. And I walked into the hospital room, and she took the boy, and she reached out, and she handed him to me, and she said, here is your son. And I just kind of was taken back and chuckled. And she said, in Kenya, when you're pregnant and the baby's in your tummy, that's your baby. When the baby's born, it's the church's baby. You see, there's something about being the church, being the people of God. There is no other place in the world like this. And Jesus, who is the leader and the head of the church, invites us to walk the roads with him. Come and follow me. You see, the rich young ruler story is not about Jesus saying every single person has to give away everything and he, Jesus hates money. That's not at all what was going on here. He looked at this guy and he loved him and he noticed that this man was a slave to money and he wanted to free him from that and he invites him along the road and he invites us along the road to learn to leverage the strength that he has given us for service to be a blessing in the body of Christ and not for status. Jesus said, whoever follows me, whoever leaves, whoever signs up for this kind of life to walk the roads with me, whoever will come huddle up around me and become my disciples will get houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in this life a hundred times over. I look at that and I, I, I scratch my head. What does he mean there? What, in this life, whoever follows me will get houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Last, I'm staying in the Thomas's house and Lisa and I last night sat at their table with friends. And you know what we had? We had sisters and brothers that we didn't have from birth. And anywhere I go in the world, this is what I love about the body of Christ. There's always a home. There's always a place. There's always a sister or a brother. There's always an auntie or an uncle that can kiss you on the cheek and hug you and say, do you need a meal? What do you need? How can I pray for you? How can I love your children? How can, how can I leverage my strength to serve you? You see, Jesus says, in this life, I'm going to create a community of people that no matter what you've left behind, you will always be caught up into love and into enough because the church exists. You see, Jesus invites us to live open-handedly. He invites us to own nothing but to be stewards of everything that he sends our way. We have to ask ourselves, will we heed the call? Or will we treat Jesus as if he is a box to check along the way to meet my own needs? Jesus refuses to fit into my life, but he's willingly inviting. He looks at us and he loves us and he says, come and follow me. Some of you think 
man, this is a hard, this is a hard saying. This is a hard go. It is. I could never live that way. I, 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 I'm not skilled in that. I'm not trained in that. I haven't developed muscle memory in living in the church. This is a hard saying, Master. And Jesus says, with man, it is absolutely impossible. It, you can't live this way on your own. But with God, all things are possible. Today I'm asking the question, will you respond to Jesus' invitation? To see that everything that comes through your hand is meant for blessing and for good and for service, not for status, not to hoard, but to, to receive it with thanks and to look and to keep your eyes open and to pay attention to what's going on in the world around you, to be a blessing. Will you live with all of your chips on the table with these people? Will you live as if this is your family? Jesus said, to follow me, you're going to actually lose blood relations. People are going to forsake you. People are going to walk away from you. To live in the Middle East and follow Jesus means you're going to be disowned and kicked out and disinherited. These people every single day live under the really true reality that to follow Jesus has cost them everything. But you find brothers and sisters and houses and mothers and fathers and aunties and uncles and people who will leverage their strength for the good of the community when you go into the church? Will you join this ragtag group of people whose robes are getting dustier and dustier as they follow Jesus? Will you live as if you own nothing and are called to be a steward of everything? Will you live a life of faith that is a life primarily that is being mastered by Jesus? Let's kind of quiet our hearts here and bow our heads and do business with God. Spirit of God is God's great searchlight going to the very bottom of the deepest darkness of our hearts and revealing and showing what's there. This is not an easy life. This is not a life that always comes naturally to us. Every time I give, I feel a little bit of sting. But I'm learning to enjoy. I'm learning to grow Enjoy about giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus today is among us saying, it's impossible if you're insisting on doing this on your own. But if you will submit to me as Lord and if you will allow me by my Spirit to lead you forward, it is more than possible. You will see yourself. Leverage your strength for service. Father, I thank you that you're the God who does not withhold. You who did not spare your own son, but lovingly, graciously giving him up for us all, how could we not also join in that kind of life? Jesus, the one who became obedient to death, even death on the cross, you poured yourself out. You were in the garden saying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Today we want to join into that nevertheless. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my way of life, but your way of life. Not my path, not my own terms, but your terms. Jesus, we come to follow you today. We pray, Lord, that five years from now in Guildford there would be a great chorus of people saying, look what the Lord has done because the church is the church. That people who are this morning 
living in darkness would five years from now be rejoicing and singing and their children would be dedicated in this place and children crawling around and, and people growing up into the image of the Son of God because the church learns to leverage strength for service. Lord, let it be said about this place that this is a place that follows Jesus. These are a people who follow Jesus. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to invite the prayer team to come down. Because I sense that there's some people here who are just kind of hearing the story afresh and hearing that Jesus actually is walking the roads and He beckons us, He summons us, He, he calls us to Himself. And maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're like Levi the tax collector needing to be transformed into Matthew, Matthew the apostle. Would you come and pray with someone today before you leave? The band is going to come play and Pete's going to come close us out here, but don't leave here without praying with someone. If you're in need and you need help and you need someone to agree with you in prayer about God meeting your needs, would you not leave here without praying with someone? I, I, I pray blessing over you. I pray God's peace over you. Know that your faith and your love, and your courage, and your generosity is spoken of around the world. We know about you in Colorado Springs, and I commend you to carry on being the people who follow Jesus all the rest of your lives.